want to say first of all thank you to Pastor Jansen and his wife, his family, uh, for their hospitality and taking such good care of us and fed us well. So I'm so grateful for that and uh, for the accommodations and allowing us to be with you folks. I count it a great privilege. Uh, last time we were here was back in 2020, and uh, this place has sure grown. And I'm so encouraged just to see what the Lord is doing here. And I just sense the Spirit of God moving, and it's just so good to be with you folks here this, this morning and Friday and Saturday. And it's amazing how quickly the time goes uh, when you enjoy fellowship with brothers and sisters all around the world. And so I'm just so privileged to be here. So thank you for allowing us to be here and, and spend this special occasion with you folks. And uh, pray for me as I, I want to be a blessing to you and help you in the area of families. I'm not an expert, uh, but I do serve an expert. Amen. Uh, my Heavenly Father, He is an expert, and He's given me a, a perfect word, given us the perfect word, and so all I want to do is share His word, just to be a voice piece, and just be asked to you, be used of the Lord, and just to help us. Um, we, as pastors mentioned, we are facing a, an attack on Christianity, and on the home in particular, like never before, and uh, it's so important that we unite as a church, lay the divisions aside. Uh, the fussing and the, uh, you know, the little things that Satan would love to use to cause division within this family of God. And so just to put all cares aside this morning and just ask the Lord to help us this morning just to hit that perhaps that reset button in our lives and just to see again from the Word of God what it is that He wants for us. Uh, let me just say this before I get into the message. Everything we do as Christians must be based on the Word of God. Everything we do, if we, the Bible says uh, that if, uh, whatever is not of faith is sin. You ever thought of that? So do, that means everything. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Meaning that everything that we do, we have to believe that it's God's will for our lives. That's your marriage partner. That's where you work. That's where you go to school, where you go to church, how you dress, how you talk. How you felt, everything must be based upon God's word because if it's not based upon God's word, then everybody has the authority then or the rights to do what they want to do and do what that's what, what is right in their own eyes. And that's what we're seeing in the world today. What utter confusion, what utter disaster is taking place in the world today. So, we as God's children. We must do everything that we do based upon the Word of God, meaning the principle of the Word of God. You may not find in the Word of God where the Bible says, Thou shalt work at Walmart. <laughs> You're not going to find that. Uh, so, what, But what I am saying that we learn, we must come to the realization that we have such a relationship with our Heavenly Father that as we read the Word of God and bathe our decisions in prayer, having faith that God will guide us and lead us through His Word, through the principles of His Word, and He'll guide us to exactly where He wants to go. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and what? He shall thy path. Amen. That's exactly what it is. And we must believe it, that God will do that in our lives. And also, let me say this. I'm preaching a message that I don't have prepared right now. But also, let's not rush God. Let's not try to force God. Let God lead us. Amen? So important. Wait upon the Lord. 
and He will guide us. Amen. So, so good to know. But this morning, I want to talk about families. Uh, praise God for family. I came from a family, and uh, you all came from a family, and families are so important. As long as eternity is, for all eternity, there's always been family. God the Father, with God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They were family. And so we see, we, we see the Word of God. As we look at the Word of God, God has a manual. God has instruction for us as family. It's, I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles into the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2 this morning. And uh, there we have our, the beginning of all things. This is such a foundational book. If you don't believe the book of Genesis, the rest of the Bible will be virtually of no use to us. In the beginning, the first verse of the Bible, we won't read, uh, that's not the verse, but the Bible starts off as, in the beginning, God. That's where things started from. It didn't start with a big bang. It didn't start with any kind of evolution. It started with God. Um, it takes so much more faith to believe in evolution. Put God out of the equation. Where did all things, if you put God, take God out of the equation, where did all things begin? If you want to say, if you want to believe with the theory of evolution, or even to say the Big Bang theory, who started the Big Bang? What caused it? Evolution. If, let's just say evolution took billions and billions of years. It had to have life in the beginning. Where did that life start from? So we come to the point that in the beginning, God, and God has been for eternity. Where did God come from? He's always been. How does that work? We can't in this life, in our finite mind, comprehend the start of God. But I can believe that God has always been. That makes sense to me. Not that I understand it all, but I understand God is from, all, from, from eternity past. And so God created the heaven and earth. But also God created all things that are in this world that we see. In Genesis chapter 2 and in verse 20, we'll read to the end of the chapter there. The Bible says, And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an helpmate for him. And the Lord, now God didn't make, you know, create everything and he said, Oh, I missed something. No, he, he knew. He's just explaining to us. How he given, He's giving us some insight how he did and what he did and why he did it. And so he says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. So taking a nap, this is what I'm going to do in the afternoon. There's going to be a deep sleep that's going to fall upon me, and I'm going to take an afternoon nap. But hopefully I don't have another wife. <laughs> and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, whoa, no, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Here we have the first marriage taking place. God created man, 
And God created woman and God brought them together. The foundation is God. As I mentioned before, everything we do must be based upon the word of God, must be God's will. Who you marry, where you live, where you go to church, these are all such vitally important decisions that we need to counter, that we need to have God's answer and God's directions in our lives for everything that we do. But how we, the message entitled is, family, God's way. And so right from the beginning in the book of Genesis chapter 2, we see the first family formed. We see that their beginning was with God. God uh, created the family. He created, it's his plan, it's his desire. This is not something that man came up with as we see from the beginning here. God had a perfect and a special plan. Now let me say this also, when we go according to God's plan, it is only then that our lives are blessed. When we try to go outside of God's plan as us as Christians, we will become very miserable and we will not fulfill God's purpose in our lives and our lives will not bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must understand that we are given a commandment by God and if we follow God's word and His plan, we'll end up in the place where God wants us to. I shared Friday night in regards to a manual. I bought a number of pieces of item of furniture from a store called IKEA. And of course, it comes, uh, you know, you can buy a whole uh, bedroom set and it comes in a little box like this with thousands and thousands of parts. You're thinking, how in the, I'm exaggerating, of course, but you look at this package and say, how am I supposed to build what's on the box here with such, small, uh, with, with such a small package, right? And so you start opening up this package, and, and, and I, I used to have this bad habit. I take the instructions, and I just put it aside, and I said, well, that's for dummies, you know, people that don't have skills to put something together. I thought I was mechanically inclined, and so I would lay the instructions aside because they irritated me. I didn't, you know, I felt belittled or not really belittled, but they, I got this. I, you know, the pride comes in. I can figure this out myself. I see the picture on the box. I can do this. And so then you, you know how it is, and you start, you start putting things together, and your wife comes, do you need help? No, I don't need help. Why don't you make me a cup of coffee or something? You know, you can help by not helping. You know, you start getting frustrated, and you start putting this together, and I see some men looking around because I'm hitting a nerve. But uh, that's good, that's good. And so, you know, you try to put this together, and you try, you, you, you fit it together, and you're looking at the box, and it says, nah, it's not really working. You got all these extra parts, and they, oh, they sent me extra parts, and you put those aside, right? And with long trials and temptations and, you know, and, and, and tempers flaring up, and finally you've somewhat put it together. Just don't use it, because if you use it, it'll fall apart. And then you're looking at the side, and all of a sudden you see over there the manual. Well, okay, just for the sake of entertaining, I'll just take the manual. But I put it together already, just so you know. I don't need the manual, because I've already put it together. But just in case... I want to redo it, what would that look like, right? And so you start reading the manual. Oh, that's where that goes. Oh, they do need that. Many times we look at our lives, and especially at the home. Oh, we got this, you know? Children become a part of our family. I'm shocked. I am absolutely shocked at how little parents take time and reading good Christian books on how to raise children. The most precious item, the most 
valuable thing God could give a family, our children. And so little time, so little investment is taken, taking up a book, a manual, from perhaps some other Christian that has experience based upon the Word of God. You take a book and find, how do I train my child? I'm shocked how little we as Christians spend learning on how to be parents. It's no wonder our children are leaving churches, leaving our family, are frustrated at home because it's all out of whack. We got all these parts that we need in our family, but because we didn't read the manual, we're putting them aside. And our children, they're growing up. They're, they're, not, they're not growing up. They're not growing up in the love of, the law, of, of, the, of God because we've not taken the time to invest. Oh, we'll learn and I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anyone, please. That's not my goal here this morning at all. I love you. I want to help you. I wish, I wish when I got married, somebody would have told me the things that I've learned now. You know, after my children, my children, they were already older. But it would have been so much easier had somebody come and said, hey, this is how you can help your family. This is what God wants for you. This is how you can train up a child. I wish somebody would have told me that out of love. And so when I'm saying something, and if I all of a sudden, the word of God, you know, touches where you are at now, I don't know any of you. I don't know your home. I don't know your children. That's not it at all. I don't have a bone to pick. I'm speaking out of love. I want to help you. It's my desire to help people, to help hurting homes. And so I have no motive of trying to hit anybody over the head. So, so please understand my heart. But when we, when we talk about raising our children, it's so important that we invest in their lives. Some people will, will go to university, and I'm not against that. And they'll spend thousands and thousands of dollars learning a trait, learning to be a mechanic, learning to, you know, in computers, a nurse, a doctor. We need all those people. I'm not saying it's wrong. We ought to learn all we can to the glory of God but never at the expense of what's our, what our priority is. Our priority as parents is our family. Don't neglect your children. A statistic shows that 90% of the time, that 90% of time that is spent with children is done before the age of 18. 90% of the time that we as parents are going to spend with our children is done before the age of 18. What are we investing in the lives of our children? How are we investing? I'm not talking about training them to be successful in the world. I'm talking about being, being a child of God, learning the Word of God. If we will train our children the Word of God, train them how to have a walk with God, they will then already be successful in the world. Not in the world's sense, but as a child of God, as a child that is producing, that is doing what God's called them to do. And so let me say again, if you have children at home, you only have about 18 years of your life to invest in your children. And if you have small children at home right now, and I see some of you do, you're all, you are probably already thinking, 18 years is a very long time. I got lots of time. Let me tell you, those 18 years come like this and bang, they are gone. My oldest child now is over 30 years old already. 30 years old. 
30 years have passed since we took that little child, that little girl home. And I remember like it was yesterday. We took her home and we brought, the first place we visit was my in-laws and they didn't have anything ready. So we placed this little bundle of joy in a little laundry basket. That's the only crib that they had at the time. And we put her in there. And I remember as it was as yesterday. And now eight years ago, that little bundle brought a little gift home to us. Our first little grandchild. And now this little grandchild is eight years already. And what I'm saying with this, time flies so fast. Time is, is like a vapor. Like James says, uh, our life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. I'm 53 years old. How fast time has gone. My life is over half over if I live to be 70 years old, if God gives me that time. My life is over half over. So what I'm saying with all of this, time is rushing by and we need to take time and stop. Say, okay, where's our family at? What are we doing in the life of our family? Are we raising our family the way God has created us the way God wants us to raise our family. And so we see in the beginning, God has created the family. God's also given us a manual. Now we have a Bible. It's filled with 66 books. It's a manual that helps us in every area of our lives. And if we're not going to be in the Word of God, seeking God's counsel for our family, we're going to miss God's will for our lives. And our children will grow up, and maybe they'll grow up never knowing the Lord as their Savior, or even they may grow up uh, trusting Christ as their Savior. But if we as parents are not investing our lives, loving them as God loves us, training them as God has instructed us, we're going to lose our children to the world. And how sad, how very, very sad that is when a children, when Christian children decide to leave the home, leave church and go into the world. Something has missed. Now, I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that if you train up a child, uh, the Bible says that if we, you know, if we train up a child um, when they are young, he will not depart thereof. That's not a guarantee per se. But then we can at least stand before God and say, God, I did everything you told me to do in training my child. Yes, children ultimately make their own choices, but we ought to invest. We ought to instill the Word of God, the principle. And it's not just preaching to our children. we got to move away from preaching to our children. The Bible says that we ought to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our responsibility. So we need to train our children. And that's more than just telling them what to do. We as parents, we have to be an example. Growing up uh, home, my dad, you know, uh, again, I don't, I don't say this to um, dishonor my father. But growing up, in, uh, when I was growing up, I had a very, very mean dad. He was angry all the time. Uh, we never had fellowship with him. The only time he spoke to us is when he would command us or order us. There was never a time where my dad, well, I shouldn't say never. I remember one time where my dad took the Bible. We were, uh, he wanted to teach us the Bible. I'm not sure what the reason was, but, but he took out the Bible and he wanted, wanted us to memorize a verse of Scripture. And, of course, this was the first time we were introduced to the Bible. I was uh, eight or nine years old. But apart from that one time, I never had my dad's speak to me about the Bible. There was never a time where my dad talked to me about Jesus Christ. There was never a time where my dad took me by the hand and prayed for me, uh, prayed with me, or taught me to pray. I didn't grow up in church. I wasn't brought to Sunday school. I didn't know anything. 
And so I, I, didn't have, I didn't know who God was. I didn't know what the Bible was. I mean, I, I knew a little bit, but I was clueless about the things of God. And so when I, when I went as a child, I didn't have any of these things, uh, any of these teaching, any, nothing to build my life upon. And it, it has hindered me. It hindered me as a teenager, hindered me as a young father. But praise the God, at the age of 30, I got saved. I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And from that point on, I began to learn of the Word of God. I, be, I began to learn what it is to be a man. I began to learn what it is to be a father and to be a husband and things of that nature. But I had to learn these things. But I wish, I wish, I look back, I wish somebody would have taught this to me. But we look at our children and we need to invest in our children. We need fathers. We are the leaders. And that's going to bring me to my first point as I try to uh, cram in the message this morning. As we look at family God's way. The purpose of the family. What is the purpose of the family? That's point number one. The purpose of the family is for God's pleasure and glory. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. The Bible says, Thou art worthy, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things. God has created the family. For Thy pleasure they are and were created. And so we are created for the pleasure and for the purpose and for the glory of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And of course, this is, in, this is in the context of the Christian life in God's kingdom. Whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. And so our duty is to bring honor and glory to our Heavenly Father through our family. So when we look at the family, what makes up a family? Well, yeah, as we see in the book of Genesis, you have the husband and you have the wife. And at some cases, there, God just has not allowed a husband and a wife to have children. I know of a number of couples, they've been married for many, many years, and God has not blessed them with children, but they are still a family. A husband and a wife make up a family. And so if God does bless that home with a family, with children, uh, bless that home, family with children, those children are then added to the family. But the family is a husband and wife. And so as a husband and wife, that makes up a family and praise the Lord for the children that come there. And so what's the responsibility of a husband and wife? Oh, we don't have time to go through all the lessons and the teaching that the God has for us. But let me give you just a little bit. And something that, the, that society is diametrically opposed to. I'm going to say something that, is, that the world would look at and condemn. But we're not here to teach the world uh, but we're here to teach God's people. Amen. We are here to receive instruction. So the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 2, it says, Wives, oh boy. Oh. Wives, submit yourselves. Is it safe? You good? Submit yourselves. We're all good? All right. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. We're okay? We're doing good? Take a breath. Remember, this is God's design, right? And all you guys are thinking, ah, that's right. Oh boy, you got yours coming. You just hang on there. <laughs> it says, 
as unto the Lord. Um, so when we look at this, in, in Ephesians, well, let's just go to Ephesians. I'm not sure if I had you turn there, but Ephesians chapter 5. And so when we look at this verse of Scripture, now does it end there? Is that all that is that makes up the uh, husband and wife or the family relationship? Oh, no. The Bible has a lot to say about the family, and especially, as I mentioned already, in, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 is known as the uh, change chapter. But then it goes on to some very practical instructions that will help. Now, this is not to cause division. Now, the husband and the wife, they're equal as far as in the, in the, in the eyes of the Lord. The husband isn't of more importance to God than the wife is. But each individual has a different role. We have to understand that. Just because God has commanded the wife to be sub, uh, submissive to the husband doesn't mean that the wife is of less value. Not it at all. I remember one guy, he was debating in, this is, uh, in, in the world, but he had some good biblical philosophy. He was a Jew, and he believed in the Bible, and he was uh, at a, a debate in, in, in a, a feminist movement, and one, uh, <clears throat> one lady uh, got up there, and she was... Uh, just condemning him because he didn't think that women and men were equal, were equal. And so the, this girl gets up and she was just irate. And she says, so uh, is it true that you believe that women and men are not equal? And he says, no, I don't believe that. And she's just beside herself. And he says, how dare you say that? He says, I believe women are far, far superior than men. He said, women are so much better than men. He said, he said, women are so more precious than the guys ever have been. And so that means shut her up in, in, a, in a hurry, of course. But in, in reality, we're all equal in the eyes of the Lord. Nobody is more important than the other. So when we come to a verse of Scripture, they would like to take a verse of Scripture like this. Well, I'm not going to be submissive to my husband. Okay, well, let's just see how you please the Lord in your life. But this verse here, it's, a, it's for our protection. It's for God's glory. It's for God's honor. And there's a picture that God's trying to bring out in the home. And the picture is what? The picture is salvation. It's that Jesus Christ, we as, a, we as people, we as God's children, are a picture of the bride of Christ. When you have a wedding, you have the picture of the gospel. You see the bride willfully, freely, and deliberately giving herself to her husband. Just as we as, as people, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, we deliberately give ourselves to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the picture that, we are, that, that a wedding represents here. And so here we have a picture of salvation in the, in the home, in the marriage. And so uh, Ephesians chapter 5, and we already read verse number 22. But let's go on here. It says, uh, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord, as honoring God. You want wives? Do you want to honor the Lord? Submit yourselves to your own husband. Well, you don't know my husband. You don't know. I don't need to know, but I know what the Bible says. But we need to submit. Wives need to submit uh, themselves to the Lord. And we'll get into that a little bit more, what that means and what that look, looks like and how that is a picture of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and brings honor to Him. But in verse number 23, now we're talking about uh, the husband. As we look at the, uh, at the home, uh, the father is the head of the home. Verse number 23 says, For the husband is the head of, his, uh, of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, 
and He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. Now, this is something hard to swallow only when we're trying to seek our own way. But as we submit to the Lord, submit to His Word, this is not a hard commandment. The Bible says that the commandments of God are not grievous. But they're only grievous when, so long as we're fighting against them. We're trying to change God's word. We're trying to change what God wants for our lives. That becomes very, very grievous. But what a beautiful picture God has laid out. What a beautiful plan God has for the family. Understand that the, that the husband is the head of the wife. Meaning he's not a dictator. A man is never called to be a dictator to his wife. In fact, we as men, we have a greater responsibility in the area of marriage than our wife does. The wife just simply needs to submit to her husband. And praise the Lord if they have a, a husband that is godly, seeking to serve the Lord. Because here's the responsibility of the husband in verse number 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now you think of this, the love that Christ had for the church. You think of yours, he's talking to, when he's talking about the church, he's talking about individuals. You and I, we make up the church. We are part of the body of Christ. We are the church, right? And so he's talking about us. We as husbands, we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How many times have we disappointed Jesus Christ? How many times have we been uh, rebellious to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, I'm not saying that the wives are rebellious and against the church, but I'm just saying that, hey, Jesus, we're not perfect. But yet Christ loved us with a sacrificial love. He gave us His love and He required nothing in return. He didn't expect anything in return. So husbands... We have the opportunity, responsibility, and the commandment by God to love our wives unconditionally. That means that we provide for our wives. What do we provide for our wives? Well, of course, the first thing that we need to provide for our wives is the spiritual nurture that they need. That we are to uh, provide the, 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 the spiritual guidance that your wife desperately needs and craves for. Your wife craves leadership. Oh, we can put on the macho man and the bodybuilder. That's not a leader at all. If that's all he's focused on, he is a wimp and he has neglected his responsibility. But a father, a strong father, as we sung about, give us men that are strong. Hey, what's a strong man look like? A strong man is a leader that loves the Lord Jesus Christ and that is praying for his family, that is having devotions with his family. That father is one that loves his wife and is helping her to be the best Christian she can be. He is teaching her the Word of God. They're having devotions together. They're praying together. He is watching out for his wife just like Christ is watching out for the church. He is making sure that she's not being influenced by some other uh, false teaching. Uh, he's making sure that her emotional needs are being cared for. And of course, a husband can't meet all of those needs, but he's concerned for his wife. Oh, husbands, do we love our wives? The best thing you can do for your children is to love your wife. To love your wife. 
How many homes, how many children are going through such utter devastation because husband and wives have been broken up? You know, I remember my mom and dad, they, they, they stayed together till you know, my mom passed away. But I remember times when they, when they were against each other and fighting and it shook our world. It rattled us. We needed that security. We needed to know, even though my dad was a mean man and hard at times, we still wanted them to stay together. I remember we were at a, at a, at a home and, and the home was broken. It was, it was drunkenness. And I remember we were at that home and the husband and wife, they got into a fight. And the man took his uh, clothes, his shoes, and he says, I'm leaving you. And I remember the little, the, 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 they had six girls. And they came and ran to the father and grabbed him and they begged him, please don't leave, please don't leave. It's such devastation in a child's life when the husband and wives are not getting along. Fathers, the best thing you can do for your children, for the glory of God, is to love your wife. It doesn't matter who she is. It doesn't matter the hurt that she's caused. And I know I'm touching on some sensitive issues here. And I see some hurts. And I don't mean to play with people's emotions. But we need our homes to be strengthened. God wants to be our Heavenly Father. He wants to restore our homes. Fathers, who cares about that boat? Who cares about that big fancy home? Who cares about that career? You have one chance and one chance only to make a difference in the lives of your children. You know, I look back in my life, even as a Christian, growing up in a, well, not growing up, but for the most part, growing up in church, or having our children go to church, but there's many times where I neglected my responsibility. And I've seen the effects of it. It was hard for my children. It was hard for our homes at times. Had I just obeyed God's word and humbled myself. You know, the, the thing that's going to destroy our families, fathers, and I'm, I'm zeroing in at fathers, because we are the leaders. We're going to make the difference. If our home is going to change, it's going to be because of us. But if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have to swallow some pride. We're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to have to go to our wives and apologize for when we hurt them. I don't know if it's with all men, but I, I hear this often, that men have a hard time apologizing. Why is that? Why is it that when we know we've hurt the one that is the most precious to us, we have hurt her. And we see, we know that we've hurt that precious, precious soul that God's given to us. And yet we're welled up with pride. Well, I'm not going to apologize. And we start rationalizing in our mind why we did what we did. And all. How does that work out? How is that working out? It doesn't. It destroys. But Father, we have such an awesome responsibility 
We are a picture of Christ. How your children will view God, uh, how it's been said that how your children view you as a father is how they will view God. And you know how true that is. Growing up, before I came to Christ, before I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, when I thought about God, I thought about my dad. And I was fearful. I, I didn't want to approach God. I didn't want to approach my, heavenly, uh, my earthly father. I mean, it was, I, I just didn't like my dad. He was mean. He was, there was times where I had done wrong. I mean, there was one time that uh, me and my brother, we broke the curfew, and it was a misunderstanding. We told my dad when we would be home, but we came home later than what he thought we would. We were half an hour late, and we came home, and my dad went out looking for us. And uh, my brother and I, we came home, and my mom, she met us, and, and my mom had a look on her face that I hadn't seen before. There was terror in her face. And she said, where were you? She said, well, we told her where, where, where we had gone. And she said, Dad's very mad. She said, Dad's very mad. He was look, He went out looking for you. And the look on her face said that something's not right. And so I went upstairs, and I quickly figured, you know, I'd, I'd quickly go to bed and go to sleep because, you know, my dad wouldn't, you know, give me a spanking if I was sleeping. But my brother stayed downstairs for a moment, and, and I heard my dad come home, and that's where it began. He started yelling and asking where we had been, and, and then I heard the beating and the, and the abuse that took place. And my dad broke my brother's thumb that day, that night, and my brother tried defending himself. And there was a lot of screaming and yelling going on downstairs. And I was upstairs. I was fearful. And I heard him come up the stairs. And I didn't know what to do. But I just jumped out of bed. And we had a window in our room. A second story is just a window. And I just knelt before the window. And it's all I knew to do. And I just called out to God to protect me. I was so scared. And my dad started beating me. And beating me. Like a dog. <laughs> and it was all done. And, you know, I, well, it was what it was. But that left such an impression on me. Why would my father do that to me? Treat me like a dog. Care so little about me. You know, I carried that, that bitterness for a long time. I didn't know how to deal with it. But that's a different story. A father ought never to beat his children. The Bible never instructs us to beat. Now, there's that phrase that says, beat his children. It's, if you do a study on it, it's talking about a light correction with a rod. But a beating that, that I received, me and my brother received that day, is, is not of God. It was out of anger. It was out of wrath. And I looked at, for many years, I looked at my, as God that way. I didn't want God in my life. I want nothing to do with him. If God is like that, I'm fine without him. <laughs> but then there was a day where somebody came to me and told me about the love of God. There is a wrath of God for the ungodly, but there's first the love of God. And they shared with me that how Jesus Christ, how God had sent his only begotten son into this world to die for my sins. How that Jesus Christ had shed his blood for my sins. And they shared with me how much God loves me. 
that God had sent His Son to pay for my sins and that God wanted to save me, forgive me of my sins. First thing that came to my mind was, that's just too good to be true. God wouldn't do that. But I had to hear that message a few more times before I believed it. And at the age of 30, I believed that that's who God was, that God was a loving Father. God was a loving God, for God so loved the world. How much did He love this world? That He gave His only begotten Son. I cannot imagine giving my Son to a world that would beat Him so violently, that would treat Him so miserably, that would blaspheme the Lord Jesus Christ, that would, that would go up to my Son and pull the beard, the, the hair out of His face, and punch Him, and spit on Him, and violently, violently nail Him to the cross. I could not imagine giving my Son for anybody to be treated like that. But God did. God gave His Son to this world who hated Him so much. Hated Him without a cause. And they abused Him and they blasphemed Him. He did that for you. And He did that for Jake Friesen. On October 29th of 2000, I became a child of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. We are the children of God now. Fathers, we are, a, we are to be a picture of our Heavenly Father. The greatest thing you can do for your children is to love your wife. The greatest thing you can do for the gospel is to love your wife. The greatest thing you can do for the church, husbands, is to love your wife. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. And my friend, this love is not natural. This is not in us. But the love of God has already been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So now that we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us, now, now we can love our wives as Christ loved the church. And now, wives, because you have the love of Christ shed in your heart as well, you can now submit yourselves to your husband as unto the Lord. Now the family is coming together. Now Christ is the center of our home. And now we have the opportunity to influence our children. Now mom and dad aren't going to be angry and frustrated with the children. Now we're not going to have our own selfish motivation. Now we're going to seek the glory of God. And now we're going to go to the word of God and say, God, how can I raise up my children to the glory of God? How can I train my children? And now we realize that the children, that children that God has blessed us with, they are the they're a heritage of God. God has blessed us with such precious cargo. I don't mean cargo loosely, but such a precious commodity, such a precious, precious gift that God has given to us, children. And we are responsible, we are responsible as parents how we're going to raise up these children and show them the way of life. Oh, it's so vitally important. There's a responsible for the father. Father is the head of the home. Father, are you leading your children, your family in the ways of God? Do your children, does your family see that you have a, that you've placed a priority on serving God and finding and, and, and following the Lord? Do they, what's your passion? What do your children see that you have an interest in? Is God everything that you say that He is by your life?
Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. I would encourage you to read that. It says, And thou shalt, talking to the fathers, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto, talking about the commandments and the statutes of the, of the Lord. Moses here is talking to the nation of Israel, to the leaders there, and he's telling them, the fathers, he says, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down in thine house, or sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. He's telling them, do your children hear you talk about God? Is God real in our lives? Do we base our life upon the word of God? Or do we tell our children, God is important, we ought to serve God with our whole heart, but yet our heart is somewhere else? It's in our career. I understand we need to work. And I understand times are tough. I, understand, I mean, I, I may not understand the fully, you know, the, the cost of living that it is out here. I know it's high. I hear it's difficult to make a living. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. What things? If you read that portion of Scripture, it talks about the other portion the things that the world looks after, the raiment, the food, the clothes, the shelter. Where are we going to live? Where, where are we going to We get so anxious and, and we think that we have to provide for ourselves. God says, hey, wait, 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 wait. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to, unto you. It doesn't say that you'll have the big boat, the big yacht, the big house, the big cars, the two cars, the vacations. No, no. But understand this. When you're seeking to please God, you're living in His will. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. We think that, oh, having all these things will be fulfilled in this life. No, you'll be more miserable than you ever have been. They'll become your masters and you'll be servants. But when we think about putting our priority, putting God as our priority, and making sure that we are raising our families to the glory of God and doing what God's commanded us to do, then and only then are we going to be fulfilled in our family and then will God be glorified when we seek His honor in His glory. But whenever we try to deviate from God's plan, that's where we run into problems. That's where we lose. We lose our children. We lose our home. Oh, I could tell you story after story of godly, who were godly parents, godly Christians who have lost everything because they lost their focus Folks, God knows what he's doing when he said, I will build the church, but he's also instructed us he will build our families for, him, for us. But we must put God first. But we can't just say one thing and do another thing. That's called hypocrisy. And hypocrisy, nobody wants to be around hypocrisy. Titus encourages us in uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 3 and 5. It says, the aged women, this is in talking about responsibility. If we would read before that, it's talking about the aged men. We all have responsibility, uh, not only to our family, but to one another. It says, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, 
that the word of God be not blasphemed. Every one of us have a responsibility. Husbands, it's your responsibility, first and foremost, to lead them in a spiritual way. Husbands, it's your responsibility to provide for the physical needs of your family. Wives, it's your responsibility to submit yourselves to your husband, to be content with the husband that you have, to submit to him, to be a keeper at home, to provide for your, your children, to train up your children, to teach them the word of God, to train them in the way, ways of the Lord as well, all under the, un, under the umbrella of the family of God. The husband, the wife, and the children. And when we do things God's way, things work the way God plans them to work. Again, that doesn't mean... See, when we often when we think about families, we have a preconceived idea what the family should look like. Let me ask you, where does that idea come from? What idea do you have about what, what your family should look like? And then ask yourself... Where did that originate from? Where did that idea come from? The world has an idea of what a family should be. They call, you, you probably heard the saying, the American family. Husband, wife, one son, one daughter, the big house, the camping, the, that's the American family. Never do they put God in anywhere But a, a family, a biblical family, is a husband and a wife, and if God allows children, all together putting God first. That's a family. That's done God's way. There's so much more I would have loved to have said that could be said, but because time is our enemy, we're going to leave it at that. But maybe this has been just a perhaps a reset button for some of us. Maybe it's something that's tweaked your interest. Maybe it's something that you've never heard before. Well, let me just encourage you. Find out what God has to say about the family. And then just be willing to submit yourselves to what God says. And then trust Him that He will make, uh, that, that He will help you in your family. And that your family will be what God wants it to be. Be it in the area of your spiritual growth, your finances, your children, everything. God has it all planned out. His plan is perfect. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you're not part of God's family. That is the utmost first important decision you'll ever make in your life. Before you can have a family of God, you must be a part of God's family. You say, well, how do we become a part of God's family? Well, the Bible says that all are sinners. That means that when Adam and Eve sinned there in the garden, they became sinners. They chose to sin. The Bible says that they died. They were then, they were then separated from God. Death simply means a separation. That's what death means. When you die, your soul is separated from your body. Your body is separated. That's what death is. So the Bible says that in the beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, He created them perfect. But they chose to sin, and God says that the day that they would sin, they would be separated, that they would die. And that's exactly what took place. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God. They were no longer part of God's family. They were separated. 
But that was never God's will. That was never God's plan. But however, God knew what would happen. But he said, I will make a way for man to be reconciled, to be brought brought back to God. So God said, I will provide a sacrifice. I will pay the payment. So to make a long story short, God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world who would take upon himself the sins of the world. The Bible says that he took upon him the sins of the world, that Jesus Christ died for every boy, every girl, every man and and woman. Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the entire world. And so what that means is that we have to come to the realization that every one of us, we are separated from God because of our sin. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person in this world has sinned against God, whether it be through a lie, through a bad word, through stealing, through whatever it is that offends God. We have sinned against God, and because we are sinners, born sinners, we have been separated from God. So the question is, well, how do I, how do I become a, 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 a child of God now? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that for whosoever, now you can put your name in there, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? That means saved from the penalty of sin. As I said before, for the wages of sin is death. That means separation. That's the penalty of sin. But it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what does all that mean? That, in, in essence, it means that you believe, you must come to the point in, in your life, in your realization, that you are a sinner. That you cannot go to heaven because of your sin. And you cannot earn salvation by good works. The Bible says that no man can be saved based upon how good they are or how good they perceive themselves to be. The Bible says that we must believe that Jesus Christ paid for our sins and we simply confess that we are sinners and we believe that Jesus Christ paid for my sin. And we always simply have to do is call upon Jesus Christ and ask Him to cleanse us of our sins, to forgive us our, our, our sins and to receive us into his, into his family. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you, has there been that time in your life where you recognized that you were lost, and that you were on your way to hell, and that you cried out to Jesus Christ, and you asked Him to save you? If there's been that time in your life, Praise God for that. But if there's never been that time in your life where you've truly been born again into the family of God, Let me encourage you to do that this morning. Before you leave this church this morning, settle that matter in your heart. Make certain that you are a family of a child of God. There are only two people in this world. Those that are lost and those that are saved. Jesus said to the Pharisee, to the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Who is your father this morning? Is God your heavenly father? Has there been that new birth that has taken place in your life? Has there been that time where you can say there was that time where I was born again into the family of God? If you can't remember, please go see Pastor Timothy. 
and uh, or or Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Jansen, and, and and just take them by the hand and say, "I want to settle this matter matter in my life. I want to know that I am a part of the family of God. I want to be a part of the family of God." And just talk to them. They'll take the Bible and they'll show you how you can be a child of God. That is the most important part in your life. If you've never made that decision, please. I beg you, by the word of God, make that decision today. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as I call Pastor Pastor to come forward and take the invitation. But let me encourage you, make that decision.